And that's not a bad thing, but next Sunday, just a reminder, we got one of our missionaries with us who's on deputation, uh, or excuse me, furlough, uh, missionary Manny Almavez. Uh, he's there in the Philippines, and so uh, we want to welcome him when he comes next week, and it'll be good to have him back here. I think it's been several years since he's been able to come. So we want to praise the Lord that he can come. We want to be able to hear what he's got to say and, and to hear the work that God is doing. Aren't you glad that God is at work, not just here, but throughout this world and throughout the church? I, I know I'm thankful for what God is doing and how he uses men like Brother Manny. Uh, then as well, a little far out, all right, but just some things to kind of keep in mind. Uh, Sunday, March the 12th, daylight savings time begins. Y'all know what that means? Spring's coming. How many of y'all ready for springtime? Y'all about ready for spring? All right. Hey, I have to start preaching on spring. You guys start amen and all that, don't you? <laughs> all right, got it. You duly noted. No, uh, spring will be nice to be able to get rid of some of these colds and flus and everything else going around and hopefully get to, to some normalcy and all that stuff, get some people out the house and everything. Uh, but uh, keep that down your count. And then as well, <clears throat> I know this seems like a stretch, like it is far out, but it is not at all. March the 19th. We're going to be having our interest meeting for Vacation Bible School. Uh, uh, don't forget, you've got, and I think we've got some extras in the back, sort of a calendar of events for planned events throughout the year here at the church. VBS is coming in June, and so we need to get prepped now, all right? So that interest meeting will be a time where we'll have a sign-up sheet. Uh, we'll probably put it out ahead of time as well, just for you to mark down where you want to serve, these different stations and things like that. And then that day, we'll also be able to give things out as much as we can. We'll try to work on getting as much done as possible, and we'll meet as we get closer to June as well. Uh, so that's all the announcements we got. Of course, reminder, we do have service this evening. Looking forward to that as well. wanted to share with you uh, Psalm 111, verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. In the English, that'd be hallelujah. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Are you all a congregation? Do you have a heart? Praise the Lord with all of it in the midst of, uh, of this congregation. May today, as we get ready to sing, and we prepare our hearts now as we pray, and maybe just worship the Lord today. That's why we're here. And so we want to do that. I know there's much talk about revival different places, and we've got a, you know, a spring revival scheduled, end of, end of March and everything. I want you to know, there's no reason why revival could not be today. It is an individual heart that is lifted up to the Lord that can be revived. And so today, what we need more than anything is to simply take time today and to lift up our voices, lift up our hearts to God, and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. God is worthy today. Now let us pray. Lord, we love You. We thank You today, God, because You first loved us. You've created us. You've sustained us. Lord, You've provided all of our needs. You've given us the very breath in our lungs. The very beat of our heart is, belongs to You. So God, we pray that this morning, Lord, that as we as we sing, that we would do so with hearts that are purified and cleansed by Your Word and Your Spirit, that we would lift up our voices and sing to You, that You would be honored and glorified. We pray that today, God, that as we participate, uh, not just in, in the singing, but in fellowship and as well as the preaching of Your Word, uh, God, that You would be uh, magnified, that You would reach down and touch souls, that You would save those who are nearest hell, that You would sanctify uh, Your people, that You would purify Your church. God, that you would continue to build your church, strengthen your church. Uh, God, protect your church from the enemy. Uh, protect us today from our own flesh, from our own preferences, our own thoughts and opinions about you or about one another. We pray that you would protect us from the devil who would love to, to devour us up or to steal the seed as it's planted. We pray that today that you would uh, guard the hearts, that you would uh, till the soil, that you would plant the seed, that you would water, that you would give the increase, that you would be glorified today as you do the work through your word and your spirit. We love you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord always. If you're able, please stand and we'll start our worship in song here this morning. There is a Redeemer, hymn number 308. 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Sanctification was the main topic in the pastor's Sunday school lesson this morning, so we're following up right behind him. There is a Redeemer. There is a Blessed Redeemer, hymn number 326, Galatians 3.13 tells us, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, and that's what our Savior did. Blessed Redeemer. Up Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn, walked Christ my Savior, weary and worn, facing for sinners, death on the cross, that he might save them from endless 
Leviticus 11.44 says, For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. God is holy, and he wants us to be holy like him. Take our life and let it be. Stay seated if you desire. But let's try to make everyone feel welcome. Share a smile, a wave, and a handshake.
As we make our way back to our seats, we have a special today by Miss Cammy Bryant. So, Miss Cammy, you come on.
One of these hallelujah praise the Lord that pastor is talking about as a God is big enough. And sometimes I think about how big God is. And uh, this poor, poor mind of mine, finite as it is, God's a big God. He covers all of the space, the uh, solar systems that go beyond our comprehension. It just goes on and on, planet after planet, star after star. There's no end to it. God, God is that big. He covers it all. And that just blows me away. Praise be to God. All right. Well, I had to preach a little short message there, Pastor. <laughs> but God's a big God. Hallelujah. I praise his holy name. Amen. Pray with me, please. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the privilege and the honor to be into your house, Lord, this church, this assembly. Lord, we thank you for the freedom we have in this country that we can still assemble together. Lord, we just uh, pray that songs that's been sung, words that's been said, Lord, uh, your word that's been preached and taught this morning, it'd be pleasing to you, Lord. And Lord, help us continue to do that the remainder of this service. We ask your hand be upon us, and, and Lord, everything said and done and sung, Lord, would exalt the name of Jesus, lift up the name of Jesus, and honor and glorify you. Bless our pastors. He brings a message, Lord, this morning, and I pray, Lord, you'd give him strength and boldness and wisdom and discernment to say what you want him to say this morning from your word, and your word is powerful, Lord, and we pray, Lord, you'd put your power on him, too. We ask, God, that you just continue to bless and remain of this service. We ask all things in Jesus' name, and we pray. Amen. If you would, please stand as we sing our last song here. In Christ alone, John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there a salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And this song depicts these two verses, In Christ Alone. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my Home that cross says, 
every sin on him was laid here in the death of Christ I live there in the ground his body laid light of the world by darkness same and bursting forth in glorious day up from the grave he rose again and as he stands in victory sin's curse has lost its grip on me for I am his and he is mine bought with the precious blood of Christ no guilt in life in death this is the power of Christ in me from life's first crime to final breath Jesus commands my destiny no power of hell no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand Amen you may be saved Amen. Take your Bible, turn with me to Daniel chapter number 2 this morning. Daniel chapter number 2. Thankful for how the Lord is able to, through JL's planning a month in advance, have everything line up as He does. He's every song, truth about our Savior, our Redeemer, Christ, our only hope, Christ, the one who has saved us, who keeps us, all of these beautiful doctrines and these songs that we have sung, and to think it's because God is God. He's big enough. He's powerful. He, he is who He is. And over the past several weeks, it might seem like a lifetime since we've begun this, this series, we have seen by God's grace some things that He's revealed Himself to be. I can tell you this, you won't worship God until you begin to know God. And the more you know God, the more you trust God, the more you can worship Him in spirit and in truth. We need the truth about who God is, and He has given us in His Word. He has shown us who He is, what He's like, what He's done, what He's doing, what He's going to do. And because of that, our hearts should respond by faith and praise and adoration. God has shown to us so far that He is unending. He is unchanging. He is God. He is sovereign. He is holy. He is love. He is life. He is light. Today I'm certain that there is many of you who have been waiting for several of these. Normally when you ask, what is God like? Normally the ones that I hear aren't even the ones that we've preached so far. That's alright. They're normally, well, He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. And He is. Today we're going to look at one of those. Y'all didn't think we'd get through all three in a day, did you? Today, by God's grace, we will see that God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. 
I'm looking at a room full of people who today would gladly say that they believe that God is all-powerful. However, I'm looking at a mirror of my own heart as well when I look at you. I look at my own heart and I see that I say theologically, I know that God is all-powerful, but I pray like He's not. I know that God is all-powerful in my mind because I've been taught it all my life and I know it, I know it, I know it, but I must believe it, believe it, believe it. Only faith in God's omnipotence will receive the power of God upon their life. Only faith can understand truly the depth and the height and the breadth of His power. And even then, we can never go to the end of His power or His might. His almightiness. He is God Almighty. To help you with that word omnipotent, the word omni, meaning all, potent, possessing power. He is the one who has all power. You and I say this, but when we pray, we pray often, God, I know that you can, but it's just, it's just so much. God, I know that you can, but the doctors say, God, I know you can, but I, I just... Our prayer should be, God, I know You can. That's it. To trust and rest in the omnipotence of God is to trust that, that God is more than just big enough. He is able. The same God who said, let there be light, and there was light, is the same God who can not only deliver you from every trial, but can deliver you in the midst of the trial. The same God who can, can calm the raging sea with just a, a few short words. The same God who, who can part the sea and let His people walk on dry land. The same God who can look down and see His prophet by a brook and provide food for him by ravens and, and, and even dry up the brook and send him on his way and then send him to a, a widow woman who's about to bake her last meal for her and her child and then provide out of that little that she has enough for one meal to provide all that she needs for more than one meal day by day by day sustaining his people. That's our God. All powerful. And it's about time that we as believers who say theologically and doctrinally that we believe that God is all-powerful, it's about time that we start living as if He is all-powerful. It is time that we start praying that He is all-powerful. Our prayers are so small that, that we could fix them ourselves. We live life saying that God is all-powerful, but we live it as if He's not. We nearly live as practical agnostics and atheists. We profess that God is able, and yet all the while we say He's able, and we're still trying to do what only God can do. Either God is all-powerful, or I am, and I can tell you I am not. Day by day, I find out just how unable I am. Day by day, you probably find that out yourself. But day by day, the Christian should be finding out just how all-powerful, omnipotent our God is. He wasn't just omnipotent in the Old Testament when He parted the waters and sent the plagues. He wasn't just omnipotent there on a boat when He said, peace, be still to the winds, or walked on the water. He was omnipotent on the cross as He crushed His Son. 
He was omnipotent when Christ was in the grave. He was omnipotent when He burst from that grave to secure the victory. He is omnipotent today. He was omnipotent at Pentecost. He'll be omnipotent at the rapture. He'll be omnipotent when He comes again. He'll be omnipotent forever and forever. And it is because He is all-powerful that I can trust Him. Because if He's not all-powerful, then pack it up, go home, and, and close up the doors. Quit reading, quit praying, quit doing anything. If He's not all-powerful, then He's not God. Because God is God, because He is all-powerful, God is able. As a matter of fact, there was a time in the saints' life in the Old Testament that they laughed at God's ability. Do you mean my husband Abram can give me a child? I'm old. Beyond years. And he said, I heard you laugh. I didn't laugh. How often we do that with God. We only begin to realize the power of God when we trust that God is all-powerful. God is the one and the only one who possesses all power. He is the possessor of all power and has all power in Himself to do as He pleases as He dispenses His grace, displays His glory in revealing Himself to His creation. That's you and I today. God wants you to know not that He's just all-powerful with some big mallet waiting to bop you on the head or to crush the world, but He is powerful and mighty enough, almighty enough to save the sinner nearest hell, to save the least and the last of us, and to draw us near. To make those of us who are paupers and beggars to be sons and daughters of Himself. It's by His power that we are created. It is by His power that we live it is by His power that we are saved. It is by His power that we are kept saved. It is by His power that we have hope. It is by His power in Christ alone that we now live for Him and Him through us that we now are able to do anything and have the hope of heaven. It is because He is all-powerful. As we receive God's revealing of Himself to us by His grace, it demands a response of faith. When God declares Himself to be all-powerful, what should that cause us to do? To just chalk it away in our minds and say, oh good, God's all-powerful. Okay, good. Oh, glad to know something else about God. It should cause our hearts to run to Him with every need, great and small. It should cause our hearts to in humble surrender, praise and adore Him because He is able. And as we see God for who He is, revealed Himself to be, we must by faith trust Him and worship Him. R.P. Martin has said the distinctive genius of corporate worship is the two-beat rhythm of revelation and response. God speaks, we answer. And praise God that even before I got up here to preach, God revealed, we responded. That's what singing, congregational singing is for, by the way. That's what specials are for. It is to reveal all the more to us and the truth that is being sung who God is and to cause our hearts to respond in faith and triumph even to praise God for who He is and what He has done for us. 
There is no congregational singing or special singing with power that is not done through praise and adoration of God, a trust in who He is. We would not praise Him unless He revealed Himself to us by His grace. And now we get to freely respond by faith. And now we can gather together and to experience the power of God in our life. Here, in this moment. Daniel chapter 2, verse 17 through 23. And I love the way that this opens up. We're going to get into the context here in just a moment just to help speed us up to get us into this passage. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Y'all ever heard of them names before? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Oh, there you go. You've heard of them, haven't we? God called them, though, their names. These are their names. They're Hebrew names. They're godly names. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Not those pagan names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we know them by. But notice verse 18. He goes, he tells his buddies that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret. That Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Not just a dream, in a night vision. All right. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. That's a great prayer by itself. He could have stopped. He says, For wisdom and might, almightiness, power, all power, are His. And He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings. He setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with Him. I thank Thee and praise Thee, O Thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might, and hast made known unto me now what we desire of Thee, for Thou hast made known unto us the King's matter. Let us pray. Lord, we love You. We thank You for this time. God, we're grateful that we could worship You, that we could come to You. We thank You for Your Word that You've revealed Yourself to us today. I pray that You would do just that today through the power of Your Holy Spirit, through the preaching of Your Word. God, that, that souls would come to know You, that we would respond today by faith, that we would pray, that we would praise Your holy name for who You are, for Your all-powerness, Lord God, for Your almightiness, that we would simply come to You and trust You now. Lord, do a work in us and through us. In Jesus' name, Amen. The context of this passage, of course, is written in Daniel. It shows here that God has caused the Babylonian captivity due to the sinfulness of His people and to not only bring judgment to chasten Israel, that's not what God does, but to ultimately bring about their redemption by His own power. The wonderful thing about what God does is when He says, hey Israel, Judah, I'm getting ready to judge you. You're going to go into captivity. You've sinned one too many times against me. He sends the prophets to preach that. What a lovely message that is on a Sunday morning. And he goes and he then tells the prophets to then tell the, the rest of the story. Not just that there's judgment coming, but there is redemption coming. Matter of fact, he would even tell them how long they'd be in captivity. He tells them who's going to be in charge of in captivity. All that's going to happen. We can trust that, can't we? Though God might be in the midst of judging this world, and I believe that we are under judgment right now. I can trust God's almighty power. His omnipotence to get us through day by day. Praise God, we're not in captivity quite like they were. They're out of their land, out of their home turf. Many of them will never even get to see their home again, their family again. <clears throat> They've been taken to Babylon. Matter of fact, 
in chapter 1, we find that the king had gotten the best of the best from Israel. He took the young men who were even fair to look at, these good-looking, strapping young guys with brilliant minds and hearts and, and ready just to go and to learn and to use them. We find those that Nebuchadnezzar, was he a Christian? No. Was he saved? No. Was he ungodly? Yes. Let me help you guys out there. Nebuchadnezzar is a pagan king. You know what God calls him? His servant. That's wonderful to think about. Though this man would live a, a wicked life, God would use Nebuchadnezzar to judge his people and to reveal himself once more to his people. And even what we're going to find, as you read through Daniel, you know what you find? <clears throat> he reveals himself to Nebuchadnezzar. But Nebuchadnezzar, by his pride, would fall. He would falter and fail. We find that it was God in Daniel chapter 1, verse 2, by his power, it says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. That's how. God gave his own people over by his power, by his hand. But we can trust that hand. The hand that brings judgment is the hand that will walk us through the fire of judgment and of trials and tribulations. I can trust the hand that crushes me because it's God's hand. Because it's the same hand that will build me back up. The same hand that promises judgment for my sin is the same hand that promises redemption if I would simply trust Him. I don't always know what God is doing, but I know that He's powerful enough to do as He wishes and that I can trust Him to take care of every need. Perhaps our greatest issue today is that we don't need God as much as we ought to. We need the power of God to go to work, to come home, to be a husband, father, wife, mother, child, worker, owner, operator, church member, deacon, greeter, gossiper, whatever whatever you are. You need the power of God in your life, don't you? Every moment. God will not run out of power to give to His children or His church. God will not run out of power to be able to provide for you, to take care of you, to meet every need you have. Not just physically. We think that, well, thank you, Lord, for this food and for the hands that prepared it. Uh, Amen. God provides much more than physical sustenance. He provides every spiritual need that you have, and He had provided everything that Daniel and these three Hebrew boys up to this point. Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2 at the beginning had been revealed a dream from God that none but God can give an interpretation of. The king is now enraged and threatening all the wise of the land, which includes Daniel and the three faithful Hebrew boys. Daniel was blessed by God in chapter 1 because he had purposed his heart. And notice in chapter 1, verse 17, as for these four children, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you will, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. They didn't have this on their own. Whatever you got spiritually, God gave to you. Whatever you know of God spiritually, God gave to you. Whatever you have in your life, God gave to you. I've never earned anything from God. I've never earned anything physical from God. I've never earned anything spiritual from God. God gives. And if we respond by faith, I believe He gives all the more. He begins to entrust us more as He had done with Daniel and these boys. And even we find the same truth. Even Nebuchadnezzar saw the same thing leadership-wise. Nebuchadnezzar goes, well, they're right about this. I'll trust them. Give them some more responsibility. Not trust them with this. If they, they, if they do well, I'll trust them with some more. And now Daniel, at this point, 
He's going to be, by the end of this thing, in charge of some stuff. God is going to bless him in the midst of captivity. And I believe that God gives the power in the midst of our own captivity, if you will, by this dark world to give us what we need to be used of him. Here's what we come to. God's power revealed in this passage. Verses 17 and 18, we find the power of his wisdom. Who is like God? Who knows what God knows? Who can ordain what God ordains? Who can work as God works? Who is as powerful as God? God does more in a millisecond than I would ever do in a lifetime. God with one word, one sentence, can accomplish much more than I can in a lifetime of preaching my guts out. That's why I have to trust His power. That's why we must trust Him. God can do much more. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and his companions. Right? He goes back to them. He tells them, hey boys, we're in some trouble here. We need God. He says, God has given Nebuchadnezzar a dream. And they're probably going, who knows? Well, what did he do that for? Why him, not us, right? We don't find that. We find, okay, that's what God did. So we're going to go to God. Nebuchadnezzar finds that there's no one in his land. No one is wise enough. His wise men aren't wise enough. Do you get that? The world's wisdom is nothing before God. The world's might and strength. And Nebuchadnezzar has armies and a host of men, of slaves and servants at his beck and call. And they are not powerful enough to meet his need. Nebuchadnezzar has won it for nothing and he's got someone there to take care of everyone he's got except this one. Nebuchadnezzar needs a Lord. Daniel tells his friends, and he tells them, verse 18 tells us why he tells them, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning the secret. What do you think that sounds like today? It sounds an awful lot like praying, doesn't it? Seeking God, seeking His wisdom, seeking His mercies that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven. Not the gods of the Babylonians that could do nothing. I want you to know, Nebuchadnezzar was a spiritual man. Nebuchadnezzar was a religious man. Nebuchadnezzar was a faithful man to his gods, and his gods could do nothing for him. Nebuchadnezzar was faithful as many who sit on a pew today, but had the wrong God and the wrong object of faith, just like many people today. We have got to make sure that our faith is not in our own faith or our own sincerity or our own anything, but in Christ alone. Outside of that, we've got no hope. I can't put faith in how faithful I'm going to be to God because I'm not faithful to God. I can tell you that. And He still allows me to pass. I don't understand it. It's God. The omnipotent, all-powerful God. The Hebrew boys are trusting by faith and prayer that God will mercifully reveal the answers to them. Daniel specifically, of course. That Daniel would be the spokesperson for God and he would be. I believe that you and I think for some reason that we can read our Bible and gain more wisdom without prayer. We think that we can read the Bible, study the Bible by our own wisdom, by our own strength and somehow come out the better. We know no wisdom without the power and revealing of God. Notice, we find throughout this, we'll see it, that, that uh, even later on after this, as he's interpreting this to Nebuchadnezzar in verse 30, Daniel says, but as for me, this secret is not revealed to me by any wisdom that I have. Not mine. All throughout this, we find this over and over again. Daniel says, I'm not, it's not me. 
They try to blame Daniel for all the interpretations. Daniel going, it's not me. They, they try to do that with Joseph. Joseph, it's not me. Matter of fact, Daniel sums it up perfectly in verse 28. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to King Nebuchadnezzar. There's a God that reveals. An all-powerful God who has revealed Himself to us today. We can always trust God to reveal, but we must pray for wisdom. Do any of you lack wisdom? Do any of you lack understanding? Ask of God, and He give it to all men liberally. He gives us what we need. And we need wisdom and power and strength. We need everything from God. And this is why we must seek God for everything. And He is very willing and powerful and mighty and almighty enough to give us what we need in our time of need. And our time of need is all the time. No wisdom is found in the flesh. No wisdom is found unless God gives it and they seek His power. Their prayer, seeking His mercy concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. They go, Lord, unless You reveal this to us, we're dead men. You want to talk about desperation and praying, depending upon God. When's the last time that we pray? God, unless You do this, I'm toast. But when's the last time we treated a Monday morning work day like that? God, unless you use this. God, unless you give me strength. God, unless you provide. God, unless you... I, I, I'm done. I've got nothing without you, God. They're laying it all out there. God, we belong to you. This dream belongs to you. It was given by you. The answer is by you. You are the answer. You're the giver of wisdom. You're the, you're the power that we need. Even just to live. Because God, if you don't give it, we will die. Some of us don't have near enough desperation to know the power of God in our life. We, we have not the, the same desire or unction or desperation to know God in a way that is completely dependent upon Him. We wonder why we seem to live so powerlessly. Verses 18-20, to 20, we find the power of His worth. Here we find that He is called the God of heaven. A God of mercies, right? A God of mercy, a God of heaven. He is one that reveals secrets. His name, the name of God, is to be blessed forever and forever. For wisdom and might are His. All these things belong to Him. All that God is and reveals Himself to be displays His worth and calls us to worship Him for who He is. God's omnipotence today does the same. To know that God is omnipotent draws us by faith to trust Him, to praise Him, to adore Him, to know Him. He alone is worthy of worship because He alone is omnipotent. These boys are trusting in God's almighty power to reveal and to provide and to protect them, to spare their lives. And therefore, what do they do? They don't just say, Lord, we need an answer, we need it quick or else we're going to die. It is Daniel answered after the vision comes. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. There has to be praying first. God then does this revealing. And then there has to be praising because if there's not praising, it can tell you the power won't be any further than the prayer. We lack power in our praying because we pray without power. Because we pray not trusting in the God of all power. We lack power in our praise 
because we simply go through the motions. My flesh will never praise God. My fleshly strength is not enough to praise God. I need God to praise God. I need God for every part. I need God to read this Bible. I need God to pray. This is why the beauty of the intercessory prayers that we even heard as we sung earlier, that Christ interceding for us, praying for us, even on the cross. Can you imagine dying upon the cross for crimes of which you didn't commit and praying for others? Only God does that. And that's who He is. God is worthy because He is all-powerful. Daniel and these boys see it. That's why they go to Him in prayer in the first place. And that's why they go to Him in praise. If seeing God for who He is according to His Word does not cause you to praise, you need to go back and read again. If seeing God revealed by His grace does not cause your heart to, to leap with the joy of the Lord that gives you strength to praise Him, then you've missed the boat. You've missed the point. He possesses all power and all worthiness. All power belongs to God, who alone is all-powerful, and they praise Him for it. They find God is worthy because only God is able to provide. Daniel doesn't go back home and ask his buddies, hey, we've got to do some thinking here, fellas. We've got to figure out this dream. He doesn't go back to his buddies and say, hey, let's get up a chart graph. Let's get a whiteboard out. Let's draw up a play. Let's go. None of that. He says, we need God, and God alone is worthy of our praise and our prayers. Third, we find this. Verses 21 to 23. God's omnipotence, His power, His almightiness in His work. Daniel praises God, and in so doing, he tells God all that God has done. God didn't forget what God did, but it sure is good to praise God for what He's done, is it not? Think about this. What we've just sung earlier, to praise God for His prayer for us on the cross, His forgiveness, His sacrifice. Even this, we think about what we just sung and in Christ alone. Do you realize the, the depth of doctrine that's in there? Do you, here's the thing about singing good biblical songs when we do this. It not just praises God, but it edifies us. It teaches us and encourages us. It shows us that God put on flesh. The incarnation of Christ is there. The life of Christ is there. The death of Christ is there. The burial is there. The resurrection is there. The ascension is there. The, the life lived now through us. The Christian life is there. The power of God is there. All of this is there. Why do we sing it? We sing it because it matters. It tells us who God is, which in turn causes our hearts to praise. This is why we need the truth. This is why doctrine matters. This is why we are called to worship Him in spirit and truth. Because without the truth, you will not worship Him rightly. I'm not talking about stoicism. No emotions. As a matter of fact, if the truth of God and who He has revealed Himself to be does not stir your heart, something's wrong. Something's wrong. When we read God... And His Word and what He's done as He's revealed Himself to be, if it doesn't change us, motivate our hearts to worship Him, motivate our hearts to seek Him, there is a grave issue. Notice the work of God. All these things that Daniel gives are something that only God can do. Verse 20, Blessed be the name of God forever and forever, for wisdom and might are His. Verse 21, 
Here's what He's done in His work. He changeth the times and the seasons. The only way I can change the time if I change my clock. That's it. And it'll still only be right twice a day. That's all I got. Matter of fact, I can't make it snow. I can't make it not snow. I can't make the spring come any earlier. And neither can that groundhog. No amount of wishful thinking. None of it. God changes the seasons. Here's what we have done is we have accepted everything that happens in the world around us. Well, that's just the law of nature. I can tell you this. This is the law of God. It's His power. It's His might. We can come up with all sorts of scientific explanations about God doing what only God can do. Science can tell us all about how the earth stands in orbit around the sun. That's fine. They can have that. But I know that my almighty, all-powerful, my omnipotent God is the one that created every molecule in existence. He sustains everything. By Him all things were created, whether visible or invisible. Thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, all things were made by Him and for Him. So you can have whatever explanation you want. I'll take God. We can have explanations about rainbows in the sky, double rainbows. We can have explanations about why it, it rains when it's sunny. God's God. You can study it all you want, but if, if studying creation doesn't lead you to the Creator, you're missing out. Now look at this. He says He changes the times and the seasons. So God knows when spring's coming. Your calendar might tell you, but God knows when it's coming. Furthermore, He says, He removeth kings and setteth up kings. So I would encourage you this. Write your senators, your congressmen, cast your vote, but know that God does what God does. God was not surprised when anyone who has been in an office of the President of the United States became elected, whether right, wrong, or in between. You and I wouldn't know the difference anyways. God does. God set up Nebuchadnezzar. God allowed Babylon to be Babylon. God is going to break Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to break his son. He's going to break Babylon. In fact, we're going to see here in a little while, if y'all linger, and I hope you do, at the end of the sermon, we're going to see that God is going to break the whore of Babylon herself. The world system. Everyone that has ever come against Him, He will say, enough's enough. Why? All the world might come against God, but God with one word can crush the world. God with a sentence spoke the world into existence. Don't think for a moment that He can't crush it. God holds you and I. And what we do often is we forsake and deny the power of God as Christians. It never should be so. The psalmist tells us, Psalm 31.15, My times are in thy hand. All of these that Daniel gives, by the way, are a beautiful contrast to the Babylonian gods. Not one of their gods is able to do these things. Not all of the Babylonian gods put together could do what God does. The Babylonians believed that they had a God for this, a God for that. And God said, well, you can have all that all you want, but I am the God. There is no other. There is none like me. They could have a God for the sun, a God for the moon, a God for the earth, a God for love, a God for sex, a God for this, a God for that. And God says, I am God. All-powerful. 
They had power over their own little spheres of things. They have power over the sun. They have power over the stars. They have power over war. They have power over this. God says, no, no, no. I'm all powerful. They're part powerful. And they're not even real. (laughs) They worshipped idols. What the Babylonians did is they worshipped demons is what they did. We're living in a world like that today. Let's be honest with ourselves. God alone is God. And He is all powerful. He removes and sets any who have authority or power only have it because God has all authority and power in Himself. Psalm 33, uh, excuse me, uh, Proverbs tells us this. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever He will. This world is being turned by God, not by gravity. Not by rotation around the sun. And even the world as it is going, God is able. And God is using every, even every wicked thing to bring about judgment and redemption to His people. Do not think that the tribulation is an afterthought of God. Do not think that the way things are going is just sort of this backup plan that God had. God is all-powerful and He will use even a Nebuchadnezzar to help His people. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth. He does all these things what we find is that God gives everything by His own power and by His own might. It's by His strength. This is God's work. The only power, strength, wisdom, might, endurance, whatever you've got, you have it because He gave it to you by His own power. Daniel sees this. Daniel recognizes that the only reason why he knows the dream and the answer to it is because God, the omnipotent, all-powerful God, who has all wisdom and might belonging to Him, who changed the times, the seasons, who removes kings and set up kings, who gives wisdom and gives understanding and reveals the deep and secret things, who knows what is in the darkness and the light door of Him. He knows that all of it has come from Him by His power. Today, dear Christian, we need to understand that God gives the power to do His work for Him. John R. Rice put it rightly. He said, you cannot do God's work without God's power. Most of us do church without God's power. We can't do that. The power of God is what is needed for everything. And will never drain Him dry. God will never need to be recharged. God will never need a sabbatical. God will never need a day off to give His feet and just go, I just need to not work for a day. If God ceases to do anything, everything falls. Everything dies. If God ceases to display and to live as He is and has revealed Himself to be as the all-powerful, omnipotent God, I would kill over right now. It's God's power. Therefore, if God does that, let me ask you, what is too hard for God? What, What is too big for God? Let me ask you, What sin in your life is God not powerful enough to forgive? What sin in your life is God not powerful enough to to take care of or to conquer in your life? What struggle do you have in your life right now? Right now, and think about it because I know you've got one because I've got them too. Which one is bigger and more powerful than God? Which sin is more powerful than the blood of Jesus? What thing in your life 
can overpower the one who has all power? What circumstance are you going through in your life that needs reconciliation, that that needs forgiveness, that, that needs help, that needs fixing? Which one of those things is God not able to fix? You write it down. Matter of fact, if you're brave enough, shout it out. So we don't have one. However, what you and I might do right now, and here's a dangerous part in our, in, in our time this morning, is that right now we would say, well, of course, nothing is big enough to, to conquer God or to overwhelm Him or to overpower Him. He's all-powerful. Then pray like it. Trust God to handle it and to take care of it. When's the last time that you simply opened up your Bible, you prayed? When's the last time you even came down the altar and simply cast yourself upon the omnipotence of God going, God, I'm not able, but you are. There is freedom in that. There is liberty in going, God, I can't, but you can, and you must, God. Ephesians tells us this. Y'all still with me? Ephesians 3.14 says about the work of God, the power of God, that God gives the power for us to work for Him, and He does. I'm ashamed at years of my ministry wasted being done in the flesh. I can think of sermons right now and even dates and times passages that I preached in my flesh that I wish I could erase. I can think of countless times where I was a husband in the flesh, a pastor in the flesh, a son in the flesh, a worker in the flesh, and I've got more wood, hay, and stubble than I care to admit. God gives the power to serve Him in power. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according not to what you deserve, not to what you have earned, but according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might, not by you, not by me, but by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts By faith. What keeps us from understanding and living in the power of the all-powerful God that we claim, who is all-powerful, is our lack of faith, not a lack of knowledge. Our problem today, perhaps, is that we know too much about God that we cease to believe God that He is those things. We know it here, but believing it here is a different one. When the world comes against you, when everything comes against you, when you come against you because you're your own worst enemy in the first place, what you need the most is not a head knowledge about what God can or might be able to do, but a trust that God can, that God is. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, depth, Height and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, is beyond your knowledge. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what He desires for us. Now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think. 
Let's pause there for a moment. Most of our prayer life looks like, God, if you, if, if you can, this just be nice. God is much more able to do what I pray and ask Him to do. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. I know there's been times I've asked God to do something, but in my mind, I don't think that He actually can or will, and yet He still does it and proves me all wrong. And I'm glad He does. Because He shows me that He is omnipotent, the Almighty God. Notice this. According to the power that worketh in us. God has not left you powerless, dear Christian but He has Himself, the Spirit of God, the power of God, at work in your life. When you live your life in your flesh and not by faith, you live a life without power. And it will be a life of frustration. A life without growing deeper in the true knowledge and trust of God. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end we find not only God's power in His work, but we find the power of His Word. In Daniel 19, excuse me, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Then was a secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Then in verse 23, I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of, fathers, of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might and hast made known unto me, He has made it known, what we desired of thee. For thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. The word of God not only reveals what we need to know, but it is the power to change our life. The word of God is the power of God. God's power provided Daniel the revelation of the vision. The power of God is the very provision of his promise. Notice this about the word of God. How powerful it is. The very words of God are power. Psalm 33, verse, verse number 4, tell us this. For the word of the Lord is right, and all His works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. He didn't have to gather up sticks and stones. He spoke, and nothing became everything. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the hosts of them by the breath of His mouth. By the breath of His mouth. My breath can't do that. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as in heap. He layeth up the depth of the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Why? Because He's all-powerful. His very word expresses His almighty power. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. How we as dear believers have lost the awe of God. We describe everything as being awesome. Oh, that's awesome. There's nothing awesome except for God. For He spake, He spake, and it was done. Do you understand that today, God could speak and all of your problems could be over? That sounds great, doesn't it? But even more beautiful is that God has spoken and given us His Word to sustain you through every problem. God's power is there and available for us if we would simply live and abide in it. Abide in the vine. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. 
make the, maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. Forever means forever. The thoughts of His heart to all generations. Furthermore, Hebrews tells us this about the Word of God. The Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow. It is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is any creature that is not manifest in the sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. God's Word does His work. God's Word reveals Himself to us, and you will not know God outside of this Bible. Lastly, here's what we find. Find the power of His will. Verse 31 of Daniel chapter 2, Daniel starts telling the king about this vision he's got. This passage always makes me think of this this, uh, piece of paper in the notes that Dr. Bowman had going through Daniel. And it's the statue that we see here, this image that God gives and it always looked like Sylvester Stallone. I, <laughs> I can't help but think about that as I see this. Nevertheless, here's what we see, verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron, part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands. As we're going to see, it's a cornerstone. Which smote the image upon his feet that were iron and clay and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the, uh, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold broken to pieces. From bottom to top, he's broken. And the wind, oh, excuse me, broken to pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. That's good if you know where it's going. This is the dream. And we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. Not the king of kings, but on earth he's a king of kings. There was no other uh, empire like Babel up to this point. He says, For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom. Notice that. Nebuchadnezzar, you're only here because God gave you this. Nebuchadnezzar, you're only king because God's allowing you to be king. Nebuchadnezzar, you're only alive because God's allowing you to be alive. Dear saying of God, you're only alive because God's allowed you to be alive. Therefore, I ought to praise Him for it, huh? If your life ended was based upon the amount of praise that you have for God, how long would you live? He says, He's given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts, the fields, and the fowls of the heaven, hath he given to thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. Boy, old Nebuchadnezzar's feeling pretty good about that, ain't he? God told you you was a head of gold. Woohoo! I'm barely a head of cabbage, man. Head of gold. He says, After thee shall arise. Another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth, and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of the potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdoms shall be divided, but there shall be in 
it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with the miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out from the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, the gold, the great uh, God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. That's God's will. And the dream is certain. That's God's will. And the interpretation thereof is sure. That's God's will. Here's the vision, the image. Let's break it down just to help you out a little bit. The head of gold. That's the Babylonian Empire. The breast and the arms of silver. It's the Median Persian Empire which would overtake the Babylonians. How about then? The belly and the thighs of brass. That would be the Greek Empire. But then another one would rise with legs of iron, the Roman Empire, and they would reign for quite some time, but all those empires have already fallen. But there's coming one, even at the work of now, the feet, iron and clay, both strong and weak, a revived Roman Empire. But there is a stone mentioned in 34 and 35, not cut with hands, who's going to become a mountain and fill the whole earth. That's the Lord Jesus Christ and His kingdom. Christ is the stone, the cornerstone, the stone of stumbling, the stone of a rock of offense to those who will not believe. He is a stone that will crush every enemy. He is the stone who we can fall upon, the very rock of ages of which we can go to for every need and find power and help and strength. Christ, the stone, will destroy all other kings, all other kingdoms, and set up His own without end. Verses 44 and 45 tell us that. So does Revelation. Revelation tells us this. And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia! Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are His judgments. For He had judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of His servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia! And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. We find that word Alleluia a lot. Why? Because this brings us to praise the Lord that God is omnipotent. Therefore, Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye His servants, and ye that fear Him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. If I could sing, I'd sing the Hallelujah Chorus. Anybody who's ever heard it sing, you've heard this line sung before. You know why? Because, Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Forever, forever, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Later on in this chapter, we find, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was faithful and true. In righteousness he doth judge and make war his eyes with a flame of fire, and his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. When the armies which were in heaven followed upon the white horse, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, 
and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Hallelujah. And he hath on his vesture and on his name, on his thigh, a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Not a King of Kings, not a Lord of Lords, but the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So here's the message today. That was the introduction, but the message is quick. As we see this passage in Daniel, we've seen God revealing that He is omnipotent. Would you agree? Amen? You probably would have agreed before. (laughs) But now's the time to respond. Responding to God's omnipotence requires something of us. And I believe it's found in this passage as well. And it's the example that Daniel and these boys have. The first thing that they did is they prayed. They not only thought that God was omnipotent, they believed that God was omnipotent and that drove them to their knees. Confidently, they can go to their knees in prayer. By faith, ask God and trust God for His power over your life. God is able to give. God desires to give. But we must pray. God's infinite power saves us. By His power, we're sealed into the day of redemption. By His power, He sanctifies us through the work of His Spirit by the Word of God as we submit to Him day by day and crucify our flesh. By His power, He now sends us out to be used of Him. I'll never be used for God unless He gives me the power to be used for God. Did you ever think about this in Jesus' ministry? He sends out the 71st. What did He give them? He gave power, didn't He? He gave power. Notice, even after His ascension, He says, tarry there in Jerusalem and pray until the Holy Ghost comes, and then you'll receive power. We know little of praying and waiting for the power of God to come. We need just that. Prayer is not slothfulness. It is the most mighty work that we can do that brings down strongholds, that brings the power of God in our life to do the work of God. The second thing that we find that these boys did is that they began to praise. Daniel doesn't run to Nebuchadnezzar. He runs to God and he blesses his name forever and forever. Praise God for his power revealed and at work in your life. But I will tell you this, a life without praise will be a life without power. A life without prayer will be a life without power. If we desire the power of God to be upon our lives, we must pray and we must praise him for his power because he is the almighty omnipotent God. And in so doing, he lets just enough trickle down by his grace that we are sustained and refreshed and renewed day by day in the inner man to persevere through whatever may come. Lastly, we find this though about these three Hebrew boys is they they participated. I encourage you to pray and I encourage you to praise the Lord, but I encourage you to participate in what God's doing. God has provided power over the world, the flesh, and the devil, but you will not receive that power or live in that power until you begin to participate in that power that has been given. Until you begin to crucify your flesh, deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow Him, you will not know the power of God. Until you die to yourself, you'll never know how to live for Him. Until you begin to depend upon His power and His strength for every moment, every need, physically, spiritually, emotionally, until you do that, you'll not know it. Participate with God in what He has given us 
so that we might participate much like Daniel to be used of him in a pagan world. To be like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. To be used and to be thought of as heroes of the faith. Not because these were mighty men, but they trusted by faith in the might of Almighty God. Depend upon His power and draw upon His power, for you have none. Alan Redpath put it this way, if you look up into His face and say, yes, Lord, whatever it costs, at that moment He'll flood your life with His presence and power. We need just that today. Today, as we bring this to a close, we have seen God reveal Himself to be the omnipotent God. Every one of us today before this sermon would have said, of course He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Let me ask you today though, does your life preach just that? Does your prayer life show that you believe that God is all-powerful? Does your evangelism out and about from work, home, and in public show that you believe in an all-powerful God? Does your finances and the way that you give and the way that you participate in church and the fellowship and worship and discipleship and everything that God is doing here, does it show that you believe that God is all-powerful? May we not be found saying that we believe that God is powerful but living without His power. May we not be found simply saying with our lips and saying with our minds, God can, but... May we say with our hearts, confess Christ today, and confess that God is able. Today, would you come to this altar and cast yourself upon the omnipotent God who can handle every sin you've got, every vile thought, every wicked deed. The same omnipotent God who can reconcile you to others and the loved ones and to Himself. The same omnipotent God who can give revival to your heart, to your home, to this church, to this community. Will you cast yourself upon the omnipotent God and trust in His power to provide for you, to take care of every need that you've got? If the same omnipotent, all-powerful hand can hold and take care of the dainty, little delicate sparrow, I think He can take care of you and me. We must simply, as Daniel and these boys did, confess cast ourselves upon the Lord our God. Let's all stand this morning. What hymn number are we singing? Hymn number 596. As this hymn is played and sung, if you have a need, come, cast yourself before the Almighty God. He is able. Oh, to Jesus I surrender